Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Personal Branding Podcast. I'm your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. In this particular episode, I interview Tom Fishbone of Marketunist.com. Tom Fishbone is a marketing expert and cartoonist as well, and we look at content marketing in a different form. Tom, welcome to the Personal Branding Podcast show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Tom, I'll be glad for you to share a little more insight and enlighten us about who Tom Fishbone is and what you do behind the scenes. Yeah, sure. So I'm, I'm a marketer and a cartoonist, uh, and it started, I guess, with my cartooning love as a child. I used to, I used to love drawing cartoons when I was a kid. I dreamed about being a cartoonist when I got older. And then, like a lot of us, I gave my, uh, let my childhood dreams sort of, uh, fall to the wayside and, uh, and focused instead on, my career and started working in marketing and uh, and went to, to business school and funny enough at business school I rediscovered cartoons and uh, fell back in love with them and decided to initially draw cartoons for the, the school paper at Harvard Business School and um, when I graduated and started working at General Mills, which is a big American food company, um, I decided to, to keep it going. And I didn't have a student newspaper anymore, so I just started emailing a weekly cartoon out to whoever wanted to sign up to be on my email newsletter. And over time, it started to grow. And I realized that there is a real audience out there of other marketers like me who were facing similar situations and the cartoons that I was drawing about my day job were relevant to different marketers all over the world and uh, I've, it was a lot of fun to kind of rediscover cartooning and then figure how to connect it to my profession in marketing and over time my audience grew to over 100,000 marketers a week now who read it and it led me five years ago to be able to start a full-time business around this that basically puts cartoons and marketing together and uses cartoons as a form of content marketing for a variety of businesses. So I've now gotten to the point where we have a number of different cartoonists who work with me, um, including a few of my heroes, and uh, and I and I get to figure out new and different ways that cartoons can work as a form of marketing. Um, I also spend quite a bit of my time doing public speaking and using cartoons as a way to to do speaking in a in a way that feels different than the typical PowerPoint presentation, and so it's. It's a continuous evolution, but it's been a lot of fun experimenting on ways that uh, that cartoons and marketing can can work together. Interesting, Tom. Let's make it. Let's look at it from your childhood development process till now. You had a desire for drawing, and that led you to all these things. And even you had rediscovered it at a later age of your life. Do you think currently that we have a lot of adults or who are not really properly aligned with their natural or their core talents and gifting, especially when it comes to the area of arts, because they've been talked out of their their creativity, creative nature of drawing and doodling? What do you think can be done at this particular age when an adult finds him or herself in such a state? Yeah, it's, 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 I think that's... A really important point, and I definitely noticed that in my own experience, uh, both as a child and now now as a parent. I see that with my 
through my children. I teach a cartooning class every year to uh, to the classrooms uh, that my children are in. And when they were very young, if you ask how many of them like to draw, they all jump out of their seats waving their hands. And then as they get older, you see fewer and fewer kids raising their hands. Um, I've started now when I do public speaking, I ask the room full of adults I'm speaking to, how many of you like to draw? And you maybe get 10 to 15 percent of hands in the audience to people who raise their hands. I think I think it's a it's it's an interesting interesting evolution for me. And I think what happens is as we as we become adults, we start to become more self-critical, and mm. we start to worry about how we appear to others. We start to judge ourselves. We start to say things that oh, we're not very creative, or I don't know how to draw very well. And I think that that's um, that's a mental trap. And it's uh, it's enforced by education, unfortunately. I think that we get in a position where, where the, sometimes um, sometimes our our drawing skills, our creative skills, are 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 de-emphasized versus uh, our analytical skills and our our wordsmithing skills. And um, and I think that's a shame because I feel like the natural ability to draw is something that all of us can share and it's the easiest way to tap into our creative spirit we don't have to be great artists to do it and the idea mm-hmm. of being a great artist itself is kind of a judgment call I think everyone can, can draw can draw something even with stick figures is often a great way to communicate because we're, we as humans are hardwired to process information visually and I think when we can tap back into that um, at any level it's a, it's a good thing so I often in my speaking I, I teach everyone to do some basic drawing because that's a great way to to start doing that again Mm -hmm. Um, i had an experience a few years ago with a a workshop where there was somebody who approached me ahead of time and said you know i think i'm going to miss your session because i'm i'm a lawyer and i work in words and i don't really see the benefit of 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 drawing or doodling it seems like a like a waste of time but i convinced him to to stick around and to this day he periodically sends me his drawings he got so interested again in it that he uh that he 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 doodles when he when he's in meetings uh to capture the points that he's trying to remember he draws to 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 communicate uh different concepts and ideas to his clients and um and this is somebody who had completely you know had completely kind of led themselves to believe that they didn't have that capacity and i think so i think that's something that's available to all of us um for me and my own journey it was particularly important because i stopped drawing uh when i kind of got older and i even took a few art classes in college and felt uh, very uh you know the whole critical nature of the class sort of sort of made me not, not enjoy it as much and i decided to stop doing it but it was in coming back to uh to to experiment with it that i that i realized how much i loved about drawing and cartooning and it, it ultimately in a very <laughs> serendipitous and circuitous path led me to what I'm doing today um, and so I think there's it's never too late to listen to your childhood voices uh, and it's it's easy sometimes to forget to forget uh, what it is that you truly uh, love to do and are meant to do um, and it's it, it's never too late to start listening to those voices again and figure out how to way to bring that back into your life all right, great, Tom. Um, I like that particular thing that it's never too late to listen to your childhood voice or go back to dream that particular dream. Now, from this angle, as a creative person, adult, in the area of arts, how then does such a person begin to monetize his art? So how did you start monetizing or how does one start or begin to monetize his creative aspects as art, especially arts in this age? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think there are a couple aspects of that. The first, I think, is uh, to think about what it is that you uniquely do. 
Um, part of the challenge is, I think, with anyone figuring out how to develop their personal brand or what they want to do is, is that there's, 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 it's so much clutter in the world and so many people offering different things. And mm-hmm. so I think it's important to find what your unique, uh, skill set is. And a friend of mine, um, expressed it as, uh, what he referred to as the power of combinatory skills. That you take different skills that you have and you put them together in a unique way. And for me, it's marketing and cartooning. And you put those two together and it's, and there are not a lot of people who do both. And I think for others, it could be any, any form of combining two skills or passions together in a way that, that others don't. Um, there are a lot of cartoonists out there. I know many of them. Many of them have not gone through, uh, marketing training and business school, et cetera. And so that's sort of a unique perspective I bring to the cartooning community. And likewise, within the world of marketing, there are not many marketers who draw cartoons. And so I can bring that unique, unique skill set. And so I think the first step of figuring out how to make a living doing what you love is to figure out how to, how to do something that is unique to you. And, uh, and then the second step, I think on the, your question about monetizing, um, a lot of that has to do with patience. Uh, I think if I tried to monetize uh, what I was what I was starting to do right away, I would have gotten frustrated and I would have gone mm-hmm. back to my day job. But for me, I, I, it took me quite a long time of doing it for purely for the love of it before I figured out what the business model was. Um, I think there's a there's a whole rise of the artist entrepreneur, which is mm-hmm. you know figuring out how to make business models at, at 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 your art, and it's and it's tricky. And every business model is is a little bit different. Not the business model that works for somebody else may not work exactly for you. So it takes a lot of trial and error, but at the heart of it, at least for me, was building up a, a, an audience of people who really liked what I put out into the world. And that was trial and error to figure out, you know, publishing cartoons that, that started to build this audience over time. And I initially did it not expecting to monetize it. It was purely about doing something I love to do and finding a way to connect with an audience. And then over time, um, I realized that, that, that there were things I could provide Provide a value to this audience. Um, you know, my, my, I got a phone call from the Wall Street Journal uh, asking if I could create a cartoon book for their newspaper, and that was wow. when I was still working a very busy day job. But mm. I, there was somebody in their marketing group who liked my cartoons and saw the potential, and that was a light bulb moment for me to figure out how to take what I uniquely do. You know, there are plenty of cartoonists who would love to do work for the Wall Street Journal, but what I uniquely do is I, I come to it with the the perspective as a marketer, and that was appealing to this person who had been subscribing to my cartoons for a long period of time. And so I think that, that, that if, you're, if you're interested in kind of making a living doing what you love, um, figure out what you uniquely do and then figure out, and then over time, in, in developing an audience of people who like to hear from you and provide value to that audience. And then, and then uh, the business model, I think, will often reveal itself. And when, when it does, then you... You announce what you're doing to this audience, and if it's a good fit, then then the business model happens. And that was that was the case for me after having this audience for for many years, and I kind of developed a business model around this idea of doing content marketing with cartoons. Um, all I had to do was announce to my audience that this was my new business, and the phone started to ring. Um, had I tried to launch a new business on day one without an audience of people who were interested in what I was doing, it would have been a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, so in the midst of combining your, your you, you really did it for fun or the passion of as a gift or something you love to do, then you literally find ways to build a business model around what will work for you. 
and um, you mentioned you had you had to build an audience over time. I think that's one one area most people fail to do in this age that they want to make it overnight. I see Tom making great cartoons unique. I also want to do it within five or a few days. It's it's not workable. I don't know how it works. You you have a unique way of approaching branding, marketing, and the cartoon aspect. It's something I've not really seen out there. It's like first to uh, see you do such a thing, but there are some cartoons are available, there's a market or brand expert, but you're able to combine this in a unique uh, perspective or new, unique niche to still meet the market needs. And that, that's been the, the goal. I, I think I, uh, I, I was hoping to, to, to sort of do something that I hadn't seen. There, I follow a lot of cartoonists, and, and I, I'm in love with the cartooning medium. And it's a very old medium with a lot of uh, a lot of history and and uh, and and uh, you know incredible incredible art in the medium of cartoons. And cartoons have often been used in the field of marketing uh, at different eras of marketing. But I haven't seen. Uh, I, I feel like it's we're in a stage where a lot of the traditional markets for cartooning are in decline, newspapers and magazines, uh, but yet the need to communicate visually and succinctly uh, has never been greater. So I feel like there's never been a better time to be a cartoonist, um, but it means, uh, it, you know, it, 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 as you, if you think about it from the standpoint of, of marketing, it, I think it's a different a different form of cartooning than, than a lot of the traditional ways that cartoons have been used in marketing. It's less about cartoons as an infomercial or, or advertorial and it's more thinking of cartoons that take advantage of the serial nature of social media, uh, take advantage of the fact that the internet is uh, allows you to reach global niches, so you can be very focused with your content. Um, and there are a lot of attributes around how marketing is shifting that play well into the world of cartoons. But you have to bring that type of a mindset to it. And so I'm I, I love experimenting with this medium, and in in, in in particularly in a time when marketing as a discipline is changing so dramatically with the way that we now connect with brands and build brands. Um, and, uh, and it's been a fun, fun adventure and experimentation to me, but I have not seen too many others uh, work in the world of cartoons and marketing in this way. And let's look at it from one of your cartoons and in the subjects to do with branding, the life cycle of a brand. You use the tree analogy. If you can just pick from that cartoon and explain further, like how brands, uh, brand reputation are lost in over time, especially in the specific example you had given, using a VW as an example. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, with my weekly cartoon, um, which again is, I, I continue to publish a weekly cartoon. It's the main way that I find my own clients for our marketing kind of cartoon studio. Um, for my weekly cartoon, I like to, I like to highlight the issues that I see happening in the world of marketing, and one of the biggest ones over the last few weeks that I know many of us have been watching has has, has related to the, the disclosure from Volkswagen that they uh, that they uh, faked their emissions, and uh, and that's a huge, mm-hmm. really big fundamental issue uh, for a brand that is so beloved uh, for so many years and is, has invested in building its uh, its reputation over decades and decades of great creative work. Um, and uh, the the cartoon that I drew showed a uh, a tree over many frames slowly growing. You start with a sprout and it turns into a sapling, and then it grows over time into this tall and mighty redwood looking tree. And then in the final panel, uh, there's an executive standing there with an axe and a bunch of team members holding a saw. 
and they're basically saying, uh, whoops, uh, how long will it take uh, for our PR agency to rebuild our reputation? Can we do it by next quarter? And I'm trying to underscore the fact that you can, it takes, it takes uh, so long to build a brand reputation, but you can loosen it in an instant mm-hmm. if, you're not, if you're not following the values of, of a brand. And, uh, you know, developing a brand is, 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 uh, is deeper than just the campaign of any particular quarter. Companies more than ever market from the inside out. How they operate inside their organizations um, are directly connected to how people perceive their brands. And that's a shift from the way it has been in the past when it was harder to uh, to uh, to find out the truth behind a brand. But nowadays, uh, we you know it's it's much more transparent, and we have to really live the values that we claim to stand for in our brands, or we'll be found out. And if it's in contrast with all of the the marketing investment that we've made, um, you can quickly lose the value of any of that investment. And so I I was trying to draw a larger message than, Mm -hmm. you know, broader, you know, using the fact that we're looking at Volkswagen, but using it to ask for all of us as marketers to ask Mm -hmm. about the brands that we're involved in, you know, where, where are we being true to our brand and where are we not? And, uh, and it's a good example of a, of a cartoon that, that struck a chord with a lot of different people in a lot of different industries uh, and led to a lot of great conversation in the blog comments and in social media. Uh, and the ultimate goal, I love seeing my cartoons used as, as thought starters, that people share them as a way to talk about the role of marketing uh, or, in this case, you know, the reputation of a brand inside their own organizations. Mm, that's that's an amazing perspective you're looking at. Now, I know every successful brand or personal brand have, let me put it, some secrets or tips or strategies. Uh, can you share with that some of maybe about three to five of your or secrets, let me put it so, or strategies of how you've been able to build a successful brand as a company, as a person over these years? Yeah, great question. Um, so, you know, one of the big things for me was was to start investing in my own personal brand through thought leadership long before I ever not thought I would need it for any any <laughs> any possible gain. Um, and and I, we touched on that point earlier, but it, it really took me a good eight years of publishing a cartoon weekly before uh, I started making any significant money at doing it. It was about it was about investing in a platform. And I think that I often hear from entrepreneurs interested in starting a business and my advice is always to to start building your personal brand long before you ever have a business idea that would be linked to your personal brand. Uh, it's never too early to, to start investing in that. Um, and then I think, you know, I touched on the idea of doing finding what you uniquely do, like find your own voice in the world. Um, there's so much clutter out there, and you can't uh, break through the clutter by adding to it. You have to find uh, something of value that you can put out into the world that's going to be distinct from what everybody else is saying. Uh, you know, we're now in a position where everybody – whether an individual or a corporation, we're all publishers. And, uh, and, and I think a lot of people have embraced that. Um, but I think they, they sometimes take the, 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 uh, their direction as I just need to put a lot of stuff out into the world. And there's so much clutter out there. And so I think it's more critical than ever to not only be a publisher, but to also be an editor and to curate what you put out into the world so that it's worth putting, putting, putting out there. And I don't think there's quite enough editing, uh, and not as enough, not enough quality content. Mm. There's a lot of quantity, but not enough, uh, uh, quantity. Uh, it's not enough quality, excuse me. And the other thing I would say is 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 to think about less of um, 
of a viral mentality and more of a continuity mentality. A lot of people think, I want to create something that goes viral, and they focus <laughs> so much on one thing that I'm going to put out into the world and make it go viral. But I found through the act of committing to publishing one thing every week, uh, you know, for an extended period of time, it's now, you know, 15 years of publishing one thing every week. I'd never have any idea what's going to go viral ahead of time. <laughs> but I found that over time, if I commit to that publishing schedule of doing something with that frequency and that continuity and building and, and investing in a relationship with an audience, that over time, many things have gone viral. Um, it just, I have to, I, I never know what particular, what particular piece of media is going to accomplish that. So I have to commit to it over time. And I think a lot of people get frustrated. They think about, I'm about developing a personal brand. They maybe start writing articles on LinkedIn or wherever their personal publishing platform is. And if they don't get a response right away, uh, or after a very short uh, period of time, they give up. Mm-hmm. Or they, they start publishing every six months, every year, and you end up with these social media ghost towns. And that's, uh, that's unfortunate. I think that it takes, it takes a long-term commitment to building a personal brand over time. Um, and so, you know, th- those are the main things I've, I've experimented with. I guess the last thing I would say is, is really listening to your audience. I learned so much from the audience that I'm connected with. You know, they, mm-hmm. they share feedback to, with me, uh, through my blog comments and social media. They email me directly to give me an idea of what of what's of interest to them, and I, I really have them in mind when I'm putting something into the world. I have a clear idea of who my audience is and who I'm trying to reach, and that and that is has a lot of value. And I think what a lot of people unfortunately do is they try, you know, to develop a, a brand platform by trying to talk to everybody. They think <laughs> if I want to be big and have a big impact, I need to try to appeal to everybody. But the problem is, if you try to appeal to everybody, you're not going to appeal to anyone mm. in any in any meaning. And so you have to be niche and focused on who it is that you that you reach and and you're trying to to connect with and not try to appeal uh, to everyone. And uh, and what you find over time is that you'll you'll develop a tight uh, connection with it with a with a you know initially a, a core group, but over time that core group will will grow. And uh, if you're committing to a frequency of reaching out to them over time, they'll look for the next installment. And I'm, I now have the situation if I ever take a week off because I'm on vacation or whatever, I get emails from people asking where the cartoon is wow. and that's a good that's a good, good place to be when you're when you're putting something into the world that if it's not there people ask you why it's not there as opposed to what often happens you're you're just trying to get people's attention by interrupting them and so my 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 goal over time is to use that relationship with the audience as my compass make sure that I'm creating stuff that's of value to them and then take that seriously that that publishing is a privilege and I take it as a privilege that you know I have to earn people's attention of putting it into the world. I can't just interrupt them or or, or try to overwhelm them by by frequency or quantity. I really have to take it seriously and, and put something into the world that I myself would want to read and react to. And I think that that model applies to anyone building a personal brand or also any any marketers for any larger businesses. Is how do how do you think of your content marketing strategy and your personal brand building as as a privilege? Is something that that uh, that yeah, is is not a right. Even if you're even if you're paying for media to get your message out there, you still have to earn people's attention. Mm. That's right. That's that's so that's so true. Like one of the things that you mentioned that I, I keep telling folks that I should forget about going viral and go give value. So I think about how can yeah. I give value? 
That's exactly right. And if you do that over time, uh, it, you, you, it's the, the, your motivation really shifts from your own self-interest to the interest of a group that you're trying to reach. But you find that over time, if you're investing in providing value to a group, you know, eventually that value will come back to you. Um, but if instead you're, 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 you put your self-interest first, you're not going to really appeal to, to, to anyone. Uh, and, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a real mindset change, particularly from classic marketing. So it's, it's, it doesn't feel natural to some marketers who are trained at just, you know, talking about themselves or their, their brands, features and benefits. It really is ultimately about the audience that you're trying to reach and what, what, what of value can you offer them? Oh, great, great, great point here. Now, Tom, what does the future hold in the area of content marketing, especially in your field as a cartoonist and market as a brand expert? Combine is the what does the future hold? What do we see in the near, next year, two, five years in, in that field as to use to push brands and businesses? Yeah, um, so I think we've seen a real shift in the last uh, year or so toward what's often described as snackable content, you know, mm-hmm. content in smaller and smaller pieces. That works really well for, you know, from a cartoon perspective. And so I, I love that, that shift. I think that, I think that we're going to see a lot more in terms of visual media of different forms. Um, I feel like we are going to see an evolution far beyond the infographic, which is probably the first evolution of that. And the infographic has become so pervasive that it's hard to appear unique by just having an infographic. So we're going to see experimentation on different forms of visual media. And I think that, um, in my view, you know, the time has never been better for cartoons to be a type of visual media because it has that serial nature built into it uh, of, you know, tuning in for the next cartoon, um, because it captures a lot of information succinctly in a small space. Uh, because when you're looking at a cartoon to make it make it funny or to figure out the joke, you kind of have to put yourself into the cartoon. You have to see yourself into the cartoon, and uh, it makes it very personal. And I feel like the the fact that it's humorous and uh, and can humanize an issue, I think, is also is also uh, a, a nice attribute of cartoons. So as I as I look to the future for content marketing, I'm looking to become a bit of an evangelist for the power of cartoons as a medium, of you know, to, to be thought of inside you know a market marketer's toolkit um, and it's and it takes a little bit of a departure in some cases because many brands aren't used to working with humor or working with you used to working in a medium that's so casual that it could be hand-drawn but I think that's a lot of the power of, of cartoons that can help brands communicate uh, in ways that are difficult to do with any other form of of content marketing so that's really where I'm, I'm placing a lot of my emphasis is to think about how to uh, how to how to use cartoons as as a way to put Push content marketing uh, forward. You know, we're all becoming brand publishers. Uh, you know, how do you draw inspiration for your work, the kind of work you do? Yeah, so I, I, I have, um, I guess I have my, my my weekly cartoon, which is inspired by marketing, and so I constantly see what's happening in the world of marketing, either through what people are sending to me of their own personal experiences and stories or what I'm seeing more broadly in an industry sense. And so I continually have a uh, uh, kind of a drawer of potential leaping off points for cartoons based on what I'm seeing happening, what I see happening in the world of marketing. And then for my, for my, our client engagements, uh, you know, when we're developing cartoon series to 
a company client marketing campaigns, um, we're a little more systematic in terms of who, what audience those brands are trying to reach and what are the major pain points of those audiences that the brands then help solve through whatever they their marketing. And so we, we really mine for humor in some of the pain points that, uh, that an audience will recognize uh, in themselves and then a brand can associate itself with. So if we're working with Intuit, uh, you know, they sell accounting software, we would understand tax accountants and some of their pain points that are then solved by working with uh, a software program like Intuit. And, and, and that's really what we mine for humor uh, and then use the classic sort of vocabulary of single panel cartoons as a way to bring that to life um, but it's a lot of a lot of deep diving and really empathy around understanding what the where the audience is and then using the nature of cartoons as a way to almost create little stories uh, visual stories that relate to those pain points oh, great so lastly what will you, Tom Fishbone give us as your billion dollar advice on Brandon oh billion dollar advice on branding I think <laughs> I think the best advice that I can offer on branding is to not try to be everything for everyone, but to find it what you uniquely do and then have the patience to grow a small audience into a large one over time. To become a billion-dollar brand, I think you have to have big ambition, but you have to be willing to start with a core-focused audience who looks for whatever it is that you have to put into the world. You know, you, there's a saying that you all you need is a thousand true fans. Mm -hmm. And I think the first stage to a billion dollar brand is to find those a thousand true fans and create something that for that group that nobody else can do. Oh, great. So where can one get in touch with you and the things you have to offer? Great. So it's all at marketunist.com, which is a combination of cartoons and marketing. And that's where you can find all of my weekly cartoons and thought leadership articles, as well as examples of some of the things that we've done with our clients. Yeah, okay, so you can get Tom from marketingist.com. Tom, thank you so much for all the content you have to share for us. Tom, let me put it ask you, do you have a book to your credit yet? Um, I've done a few collections, and those are also on my website. I'm working on a new collection of cartoons over the last, uh, you know, 10-plus years of marketing. Wow, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks for your time, and I really appreciate the advice and knowledge shared with the audience. You bet. It's great to talk with you. Thank you. All right. All right so at this time, I want to recommend my latest book, Reputation Management: 99 Ways to Build and Boost Your Brand Visibility. So check it on Amazon.com today. Visit Amazon.com/author/BennettKelvin. The book is Reputation Management: 99 Ways to Build and Boost Your Brand Visibility. The best is yours.